Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the On the Sideline podcast with Jackson and Kyle. I am Jackson and I am joined here, as always, by a man who is very upset that we will not be talking about Dak Prescott this week. Uh, Kyle, how are you holding up? Uh, surviving despite that heartbreaking news. I was ready. <laughs> I had another two hours on him. So, <laughs> yes, yes. Well, um, m- maybe for another podcast, we can do our two hour Dak Prescott review. I mean, listen, I've made a two hour Derek Carr video, so I guess I shouldn't talk too much. But yeah, yeah, so if you missed our podcast last week, what we're doing is we're doing a deep dive for each team, uh, and we're doing it by divisions. And last week we did the NFC East, now we're moving on to the NFC North. Uh, interesting division here. I think a lot of uh, should be some fun stuff to talk about. Yeah, it is. So as I said last week, my super complex formula for ranking all the divisions, mm-hmm. I had the NFC East as the worst division in football, mainly because I felt like there wasn't any real Super Bowl contenders I felt in that division and that the Redskins also brought it down because they're a potential number one pick team. This division, the NFC North, I actually have right smack in the middle. I have them as the fourth best division in football. And that is because I do feel like the big thing that the NFC North, I think, has going for them is that I don't have any teams listed as a number one pick contender. I don't think any of these teams are going to be the worst team in football. You could argue potentially the Lions. I just think even with the coaches we're going to talk about, there's too much talent in that Lions locker room. And I did also, I went back and forth. The other three teams, I think that are all definitely play playoff potential teams. And I did put the Vikings as a Super Bowl contender. So we'll get into all that. Um, but yeah, this is the fourth best division in football for me. And I think there's a lot of good talent in this uh, division. Okay. Yeah. Makes, uh, makes sense. And so let's just, uh, let's just get into it and we'll, you know, so if you, again, if you missed last week, the way we do it is that Kyle is going to rank, uh, each div- div- uh, team in each division worst to best. He will pick one. And then I sort of rank each position grouping on a scale of one to 10. Uh, and I give them, give them total scores. Uh, so Kyle, who do you have as finishing last in the NFC North? All right, so I feel like this was kind of a no-brainer for a lot of people. I do think that this team, like I just said earlier, has you know a good amount of talent on it. I don't think it's actually one of the worst teams in football, but it has one of the worst coaching staffs in football, I think. So I'm going to put the Detroit Lions right now at number four. I do think that this is a team in the next couple of years could be pretty competitive, but right now I do think that they're the fourth. With how competitive this division is, they are the fourth team in it. Yeah, I mean, uh, one thing that we'll get into when I sort of break this down is I feel like in terms of uh, the Lions, 
their only weakness is coaching, I feel like. I don't think they have a definite weakness all across the board. You could argue one position group that we'll get into. Uh, but for the most part, I think that there is a lot of good here. And I think that that's uh, something that doesn't get talked about a lot because of the bad. Uh, Matt Patricia, of course, is, you know, he was uh, listed. He ended up being the 32nd. Uh, on, he was on 32nd of my coaching, uh, on my list of top coaches. Uh, so he gets a one. I mean, that's kind of an obvious one out of 10 for Matt Patricia. Yeah, I, I do think that of the experienced coaches, obviously, I, I try to keep the tamper my expectations for rookie coaches and even one year head coaches, which is mm -hmm. Patricia um, to an extent. But I do feel like overall, he is one of the worst coaches of football. And I feel like, you know, this could be a situation where he's out by week six because I just think that there's this team shouldn't be like an 0 16 by week six, but if they are, he's definitely gone. And it's going to be interesting to see how, what exactly saves Matt Patricia's job this season, given everything that's happened in the whole Darius Slay situation, what saves his job? Yeah. I mean, I could, I could see a, a situation where the lions make the playoffs and Patricia gets fired. I could see that happening too. I think that that in the realm of possibilities, I think that exists. Uh, maybe we can touch a little bit more on him at the end. Uh, quarterback, this was kind of an easy one. Stafford, he gets an eight. Uh, I guess not, you know, super easy, but obviously he's going to get a high grade. He gets an eight here. I mean, there's not too much better than Stafford, but there is a little better than him. So uh, eight feels right for me here. And then also for the offensive line, uh, you have center Frank Ragal, who's a, a good center, I believe. Um, their guard play with, uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce, you know who I'm talking about, his first name. Vitae, yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thanks for for failing me out there. Yeah. And then a uh, Joe Dow. You have uh for uh, you also have Kenny Wiggins as a guard, and then you have Taylor Decker and Tyrell Crosby for their tackles. Uh, O line. It, it's what I like about the O line is I don't know if they have too many weaknesses. I'm not sure if they have a ton of strengths either. But I like their O line. I'm going to give their O line a six. Yeah, I do feel like uh, Stafford is a high-level quarterback. You know, you're getting one of the best arm talents in the league anytime he plays. I do think he's really talented. He's going to be a top-ten quarterback for the majority of his career. And I think Chase Daniel is always going to be a pretty high-level backup. It seems like everywhere he goes, they really like him in the locker room. They really like what he can do and coming in a pinch. And now he's on the Lions with that situation. The, the, the offensive line's interesting. I think there are a lot of good pieces here. I do think there is kind of a weakness, though, with Vitae. I do think that he's probably a step below, I think, some of the other guys on the left side of that line. And then we're going to see what happens, uh, Jonah Jackson coming in and how he can do on that right side of the line as well. But I do think it's a solid offensive line overall, so I'd agree with that. Okay, sounds good. And then we from that, uh, we'll move on to the wide receivers. The wide receivers I find very fascinating because Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay are probably the, the two most underrated uh like one two punches and like the most underrated duo in football i think they're two really good receivers i think uh then for the th number three guy you have a bit of a question mark i mean amandola has proven he can be a number three in the past i don't think that he's a bad number three you also have geronimo allison but again i think this receiving core is probably underrated i i'm going to give this receiving core a seven yeah i really like this receiving core too i think you know, Jones, I think, is really talented. He is one of the most frustrating fantasy football players, I think, ever. But he's an incredibly talented wide receiver. Galladay is a big-time player. And, you know, finding him after the whole Calvin Johnson situation is a great great thing for Detroit, for happened to Detroit. And I like Amendola, obviously. You know, he did a lot for my team, came up big time with big-time plays. And I really like uh, 
Quintez Cephas, who they got in the draft. He's a really shifty, smart route runner that I think is going to have an impact his rookie year as well. So I, I do like this receiving core. I'd probably go a seven or an eight. Yeah. And for those of you listening to your first podcast, Kyle is a diehard Dolphins fan, big fan of Amendola back when he was on the Dolphins. So that's yes. what he's talking about. <laughs> Moving on to the backs now. Uh, again, backs are uh, halfbacks and fullbacks. They have Nick Bodden. Who cares? Uh, he's their fullback. And then for the halfbacks, uh, you have DeAndre Swift, uh, rookie to draft in the second round last year. Many thought could have gone in the first round. He goes in the second. Carryon Johnson, who is typically very good for four games a year. And also, you know, I'll give some love to Bo Scarborough, who I actually thought played uh, pretty decently well uh, when he, you know, after everyone got injured and he had to come in and play. So I think their backs are good. I don't think their backs are anything spectacular necessarily. I mean, again, Swift could end up being that. There is uh, question marks there. There's question marks with Johnson's injury history. I'm giving them a six here. I think it's above average, but nothing spectacular. Yeah, I probably would go five for now, mainly because I want to see Swift before he plays. Um, I really like, you know, the thing was with Swift, like especially when Travis Etienne decided to go back to college, he was essentially reviewed or regarded as the most complete back coming out because he can do a lot of things. He did a lot of pass protection and catching the ball out of the backfield with Jake Fromm because he didn't have the big arm. He's a good running back behind a good offensive line, had productive numbers in the SEC, which is as comparable to the NFL as you can get. So I think that that's a guy who can be very good. I just want to see it first. And I've always been one of the guys that's like, wow, I really like what Carryon Johnson can do. And then by the time I really like what he's doing, he's he's out. So, mm-hmm. you know, he is getting hurt. So that's a big problem. And I do feel like he might end up being a trade candidate here because he can't stay healthy. And if a guy like Swift pans out to the way we expect, plus Scarborough as that goal line guy because he's that bigger body, I do feel like Johnson could eventually be that trade candidate. But I like the three guys overall. That's a nice combination. And I, I think a six or a five is probably fine until I see Swift. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I won't fight, fight you on one point. Uh, yeah, I think that uh, I, I think Bo Scarborough just has the coolest name in, in maybe the coolest name in sports. Bo Scarborough okay. doesn't get better than that. Uh, let's move on to the tight ends here. Tight ends I find interesting because I think last year we thought this could maybe be the best tight end group uh, in football or at least, you know, up there. Uh, it is not. At least it wasn't last year. Uh, Jesse James, uh, He. it seemed like he did take somewhat of a step back. He wasn't atrocious last year, but he definitely, I feel like he had his better years in Pittsburgh. And you also have PJ Hawkinson, who had one great game, didn't really show much else after that. But at the same time, uh, you know, he was a rookie and rookie tight ends typically don't do too well. Also worth noting in his one great game against Arizona, uh, Arizona ended up being the team that was the worst against tight ends that year so that probably factored in uh so i'm gonna give this uh i'm gonna give this a six i still think it's above average because i think there's the potential there and again part of it is like i'm not really trying to predict how i think they're going to do i'm just saying if i think there's a 50 50 shot they end up being the best duo in the league and a 50 50 shot they're terrible then i would give them a five you know i i try to you know even it out that way so i think that there's a chance to end up as like an eight there's a chance to end up as like a a three or four so i'm going to give them a six here Yeah, I think that's completely fair. I think one of the things, so like you said, rookie tight ends tend to struggle out of the gate because there's a lot that they're asked to do early on. I think Hawkinson definitely showed that he has the talent to be a really productive tight end in the NFL. And then the other thing, you know, Jesse James, it was his worst tight end season since his rookie year. 
And a lot of that could be, you know, he's going into the new a new offense for the first time. There's probably an adjustment period there as well. So that probably affected his game a little bit. I do think that this is a high ceiling tight end group because those two can be very good. And I do think that eventually Hawkinson will take that leap forward and be the prospect that we all kind of expected. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, and so as a whole, their offense, uh, solid gets a 6.6 here. Uh, so good off, good uh, you know, nothing spectacular, but significantly above average. And uh, we can move on to their defense. We'll go to the edge rushers, and I'm going to throw Trey Flowers in as an edge rusher. You could argue he's an interior defensive lineman. Uh, I gave him edge rusher because I think that he per- tends to play more of a snaps on the edge, although he can play anywhere, as we know. Um, the problem is that there is kind of a question mark uh, outside of that. You have Julian Aquora, you know, who they drafted in the third round. Uh, they also have Austin Bryant, who was a fourth round pick last year, who came in and didn't really show much of anything, but you know, rookie. And then uh, you also have Christian Jones, who cares? Um, so what, the one thing is that, let's be real, uh, Matt Patricia doesn't like to really use the edge rushers in a traditional sense, but um, you know, I, I grade them all the same. I'm going to give them a five, largely because I think Trey Flowers is still very good. He actually he was one of the few guys who came over from New England to Detroit and still played well for Detroit. Uh, and then um, I think that you know they have a third round pick. He could end up being a solid starter, uh, or he could end up sucking. I think that five feels right for me here. Yeah, I do think that you know Trey Flowers on his own could potentially be like if you're grading the individual player is the eight or nine level the the question mm-hmm. for the Lions is going to be if they're going to get any production you know out of the Okora brothers whether they get you know 2018 production out of Romeo where he was at least serviceable on that side and so he needs a big bounce back season or his brother could step up and be big for them um but I do think that you know Trey Flowers does bring this group up and he holds this group up to a higher standard I didn't realize they were brothers. I thought that there were just two guys that happened had the, the an incredibly uncommon last name. That was bad job by me putting that together. I guess are they uh, are they not brothers? I mean, they both went to Notre Dame. I kind of just assumed. No, I mean it, they probably <laughs> are. I just sort of never put that together. Where I mean, which it makes sense. They're both named Aquora. I guess they both went to the same college. Yeah, no, they probably are. I just didn't realize that because I'm dumb. Uh, but yeah, uh, we can. I think we've said enough about the edge rushers. Move on to the interior defensive line. Um, we'll go with. Uh, you have Nick Williams, Deshaun Hand, and uh, Danny Shelton from New England. Uh, I think that this is a, a good defense, interior defensive line. Uh, I I feel like, you know, Danny Shelton, again, it's like, you know, how many guys from New England end up handing out with another team? Some do, some don't. But, uh, you know, these are guys who have shown flashes. Uh, all of them, I'm going to give them a six. Again, it's kind of like the... I feel like they're maybe slightly above average, but I still don't know if I'm ready to give them anything better than that. Yeah, I think that's fair. Even, you know, I thought Shelton was good last year, but I feel like sometimes he wanes in and out of the plays. I thought Adam Butler by the end of the year was my, I preferred him at defensive tackle a lot more um, by the end of the year compared to Shelton. So I think he's okay, but I think that's a pretty solid option. And, you know, it's going to see, we're going to see what these guys can do. I don't think this is any like game breaking uh, defensive tackle group, but they're solid and, you know, they're going to clog up the lanes up the middle. Yeah. I will have to say, I don't know if they're good enough to be in this Matt Patricia defense that likes to, let, to just rush three a ton. I don't know if they're quite at that level. But, you know, when they do that, they'll probably have Flowers be one of the guys who is rushing. So that could mm-hmm. help change things. Um, we'll also go through the linebackers that aren't edge rushers. So this is, and, you know, 
in a 3-4, it's middle linebackers. In a 4-3, it's linebackers or outside linebackers. Um, right here, you have uh, Jamie Collins, who they brought another guy I brought in from New England, and also Jelani Tavai, second-round pick, uh, who I thought was uh, actually showed a lot last year. Um, you know, I thought that he was he got a lot of a lot of people didn't like to pick when he was drafted, but I think he really showed them wrong. Uh, had a very good rookie season. Uh, they also brought in Reggie Ragland from Kansas City, who I think should easily be a solid number three guy at least. So uh, I like the linebacking core. Again, we'll have to see about Jamie Collins. I mean, let's be real. There's, you know, he's someone who has had some concerns about how much does he really care about it. And now that he's gotten paid, how much is he really going to, how much effort is he really going to put in? But I still give them uh, a seven here. Yeah, I think that the the one thing this linebacking group has going for them is depth because I think a guy like Jared Davis is even a serviceable guy at that position. But it's not going to be any higher because I don't think there's any like real stars in this area. And it, it's it's going to be impossible to expect Collins to put up any production similar to what he does in New England. So I'm mm -hmm. not really expecting it because it's just, you know, the New England style and what he does there just doesn't translate anywhere else, even if it's a Matt Patricia defense. Uh, the way he can kind of freelance in New England and get away with it, he's not going to be able to get away with any defense. So I, I do think that a five or a six is probably where they're at. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I maybe I'm just a little bit higher on Tavai than you are then, which is why yeah. I gave them the seven. Uh, but uh, fair enough. Um, I, I do think Tavai, you know, my I do believe Tavai could potentially be a star. Um, not saying he's going to, but he has that potential. But anyways, we'll move on to the last category, the secondary. Um, you have Jeffrey Okuda, who they just drafted. They also brought in Desmond Trufant. Seems like those will be the the one and two corners. You also have Akurie and Coleman, uh, who can uh, should add some depth there. And then for the safeties, it's a little bit more interesting. You have another former Patriot, Devon Harmon. You also have Tracy Walker and Will Harris, who was a third round pick last year. wasn't spectacular last year, but you know maybe still has potential. Um, as a whole, I'm going to give their secondary an eight. I, I still trust their cornerback grouping. Uh, I, and you know, listen, I, I think Harmon is good. I don't know if he's, uh, you know, I, again, there's always that question mark, but I, I think this is an eight. Yeah. I think the problem with Harmon is that we really just, you know, he's an experienced guy, but we really mm -hmm. just haven't seen him play like a really important role for the Patriots. He was always that third safety or kind of, you know, as a pseudo slot guy. And mm -hmm. now he's going to start be expected to just take the role that Pat Chun has done all these years in new England and just apply it to almost what he do does in Detroit. And he just wasn't a starter all that much in new England where, you know, you question whether or not he can be good enough to actually be that, but it'll be interesting to see what he can do and what the level is going to be where he's at. I like the rest of the secondary overall. I was really high on Okuda coming out. I think he's a future shutdown guy. I don't think Trufant is obviously Darius Slay, which is a, you know, a downgrade, but I think he's good enough to be a solid guy and he can start at that number one corner until they feel like Okuda is that guy and then move him over to that number two corner. And, you know, the one thing Trufant always does is he creates turnovers. So that's, you know, I don't think he's perfect, but he does do that really well. So. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think in hindsight, maybe I was a little bit too high on this just because, you know, Okuda is a rookie and uh, I think you made up good, you brought up good points about Harmon, but uh, I'll keep it at eight for now. So this gives their defense a uh, 6.5 being that total for the Lions, they have a 6.6 .6 offense, a 6.5 defense, but with their coach, this brings their total down to 6.0. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. Uh, I guess the first question is, do you think Matt Patricia survives the season? No, 
No, I don't. I think that I would say um, maybe like a, I'll say less than ten percent chance he survives. Uh, I think that the way that he has to, I mean, maybe I'm being a bit too harsh on it. Uh, I, you know, I definitely want to keep him. I think the only way he does survive is if this talent sort of wins out. The talent is able to get them to a playoff spot, and then the the, the um, you know front office says, "Well, hey, he got to a playoff spot. Let's keep him here." Uh, so I guess there is a chance, but I'll, I'll say around like 10% chance he survives. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I just think the problem is, is that, you know, the coaches you tend to see get fired early are the teams that are completely out, whether it's one or two wins and, or zero wins, and they're trying to get ahead of the coaching search and get the guy first. I just feel like at the same time, I don't think this Lions team is bad enough to be 2-10. and 10. You know, we went through their roster. They have so many game guys big time players. I don't think this roster is bad enough to be like two and 10 halfway through the season, or that's three quarters of the way through the season. Sorry. But, mm-hmm. or even like, you know, a one in seven is my problem. So I could see a situation where they're six and 10 and Patricia's fired at the end of the year, because this really should be a eight and eight, nine and seven, maybe a 10 and six team at their very best with a good coach, but they just don't have a good coach. Yeah. Uh, I think that my, my prediction on how this is going to go is that, uh, their Lions are going to miss the playoffs again, um, and then they're going to hire someone else. And we could see like a Jeff Fisher to Sean McVay situation where there's a talented team that Fisher just doesn't know what he's doing. And so then uh, they're able to immediately make the playoffs if a rookie head coach. I could see something like that happening uh, very easily. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know. I, I Again, I, I think the only reason Patricia is even still here is because the Lions didn't love any of the potential coaches they could have gotten and said well let's just keep him for one more year so we can get some have a better opportunity to get a better guy the following year Uh, and we can kind of show that hey we're loyal to you we'll give you opportunities so you heard it here first lincoln riley to detroit congratulations lions fans that's right ready for that that'll be fun to see all right (laughs) yes exactly uh let's just go ahead unless you have anything else to add about the lions let's move on to who do you have at the number three team the bears Uh, move on to bears (laughs) yeah pretty much yeah i I feel like this is a very straightforward division for me you know you you could talk me into the packers over the vikings i just feel like the vikings have a better roster um but you know the bears have a very good roster as well compared to the rest of the you know the rest of the league and i really like a lot of the players they have the issue is that their biggest question is the most important position in football and that's why they're going to be number 3 and i think that's pretty much going to be the consensus is their third because of that so number 3 in this division chicago bears okay well interesting cuz i don't totally agree uh but we can get into that a little bit later about what your exact criticism is i think the bears are maybe the most lopsided team in terms of where their talent is with their talent on defense and not on offense uh but we'll just get into it um so first their coach matt Nagy. um again what i did for coaches and quarterbacks was i just took it straight from i you know uh i said for top three one through three on my uh quarterback rankings they get 10 and then four through six they get nine and it's went down all the way down the list there was five that got a five uh matt Nagy gets a four and then Nick Foles gets a one because he finished bottom three in my uh, quarterback rankings. Um, What do you think about those two scores? Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. Nagy is going to be kind of a we'll see. I think that he's shown that he could be a pretty solid coach. I do think that if you compare Trubisky and and Foles together, you know, if we're ranking backup quarterbacks as well, I think that brings it up into the room a little bit, uh, brings it up a little higher because I do think that, 
one of them is going to be a pretty high level backup to whoever's starting. The question is that both of them are probably low tier bottom level starters in my book. Yeah. I mean, you could argue they get a two, but I don't think you could really argue much higher than that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Fair enough. One thing I do want to say about Foles, though, is that I actually do think Foles has talent. He just needs to be in a specific system, and that is not what they have going for Chicago. So I just yeah. think it's a terrible fit more than anything. And so I'm kind of evaluating him on how I think he'll run this system, which is not very well. Um, the O line, I'm also not a huge fan of. Uh, they have James Daniels and Cody White here, who I am. I'm a fan of both of those guys. I think they're both good. Uh, but then that's kind of where my uh, fandom ends of this offensive line. Uh, you have Rashad Coward. Uh, for the other guard and then uh, tackles are Charles Leno and Bobby Massey. Not really a lot to write home about. Um, I think that, you know, uh, especially when you only have two good offensive linemen, you don't want them to be your center and one of your guards as well. Um, this is not a great offensive line for me. I'm giving them a three out of 10. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think, I do think that that interior is going to be solid, but of course, if a guy like Effetti finds his way into the fold, I do think he's, you know, one of the worst like starting linemen I think I've seen over the last couple of years. Um, but I do think that, yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. This is a pretty bad offensive line in my book, but I do think that there's talent on this offense elsewhere, just not at this position. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll keep going then. Uh, wide receivers. Um, I need to start a free Allen Robinson uh, campaign because I do think Allen Robinson is probably the best player on this offense. Uh, I think he's very underrated. But again, uh, I kind of feel like that's kind of where it ends to some degree. I like Anthony Miller. I don't love Anthony Miller. I don't really see him as like the number two guy. Uh, Ted Ginn Jr., again, fine. Uh, Javon Wims, not really anything special. I think the wide receiving grouping is just slightly below average. I think it's a four. Yeah, I mean, I, I would probably boost it for a five. I think I'm a little higher on Anthony Miller than you. I think he can actually be a pretty good number two guy. And I think Robinson, you know, if you look at a lot of metrics, Robinson's actually like a top six or seven level receiver almost maybe not that high but he's in that upper echelon of receivers almost to that level and i think he can be at that level the problem is that he's got our one rated quarterback room throwing to him here um i do think that there is talent here but i think the problem is that there's also not a lot of depth i don't trust a lot of the guys behind you know their fourth receiver is essentially corderell patterson who's been essentially mm -hmm. a zero his entire life um yeah, uh, that's not true he's well, he's a good mm -hmm. returner um yeah but great returner. Great returner, but you know, mm -hmm. if you're if you're lining him up as your number two receiver due to a few injuries, you're in trouble. You know. Um mm -hmm. so I would say probably a five because I do like that one two combo. I think Robinson is a high level guy, but the offense and what they do for him doesn't help the cause. Okay. Well, fair again, fair enough. I won't argue a one point difference. Um and move on to the backs here. Um so basically the the two backs are David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen. Montgomery was the guy who everyone on all of the uh, you know fantasy football Reddit were going crazy about. This guy is going to be the guy you want to make sure you draft. Didn't quite work out that way. Uh, they also have Tariq Cohen, of course. I think a large part of some of their struggles last year, not even struggled, but just not doing spectacular last year, was because the offensive line just took a huge drop-off. Uh, but that being said, again, this isn't something that uh, you could argue me into a five here. I feel like this is, again, a four. I think it's slightly below average. Uh, you look at the average team. And plus, there's just, there is a plethora of good running backs right now. So I feel like I, it's kind of a little bit inflated. There's some guys who I might feel like are should be like a number seven, but actually kind of end up being a five just because of how much talent there is. They get a four for me. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I do think that Montgomery has a pretty high ceiling, I think. 
but mm-hmm. of course we have to see it. And of course, behind this offensive line, that's going to be tough. I do think he's talented though. I, I think Tariq Cohen's kind of the modern day Tavon Austin where everyone likes the idea of him, but doesn't, isn't really sure how to actually deploy a guy like that into an offense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think that, you know, he's a nice tool to have, but you don't really know what to do with him. I think it's the problem, but I think he's solid. You know, as a number two guy, we'll see. I do feel like this this could potentially be a Rubahee Mostert spot. Um, you know, if we're going into the NFL news, I do feel like this mm-hmm. is a spot where he could end up and kind of be that second guy because I don't think Tariq Cohen's good enough to be that guy. Yeah, well, we know the Bears not afraid to give up draft picks. Uh, if they think they have to. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that, I mean, I could see that. Yeah, I think the problem with Cohen is just that, like, he's not as good. He's just not great at the actual running the football part. Like that's where he sort of struggles and he's so good as the sort of this gadget player type guy. But at the end of the day, if teams see you out there and they feel like, okay, this is probably a pass, that's not a good thing. So it kind of can give away a lot of uh, what you're doing, uh, which just, it's, 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 you know, again, he has some value of course, but I don't know how much his value is. Uh, so they get a four there. And then for tight ends, um, take your pick as to which tight ends you want to talk about. At one point, they had 10 tight ends on their roster. They've now cut it down to nine tight ends on, tight ends on their roster. Uh, the two biggest names are Jimmy Graham and Demetrius Harris. They're giving Jimmy Graham an absurd amount of money uh, for no real reason. They also drafted Cole Komet uh, in the second round. It seems like he's probably going to end up being the guy who they want to be their starter. But despite this plethora of tight ends, uh, I still feel like there's not anyone who I think is going to be great this year in 2020. Again, we've talked about uh, rookie tight ends not doing too well. Uh, and considering the fact that it seems like he's going to be the, their number one guy, for me, this is a two. Yeah, I mean, they have so many guys at tight end, but so much like mm-hmm. junk almost. Right. I almost want to mm-hmm. say, I, I don't think Jimmy Graham's going to last 16 games mm-hmm. as a starter. I, I don't think he was good last year. And I don't see him getting better or getting back to his old ways. He's another guy where it's like, oh, if we could just get New Orleans Saints Jimmy Graham, it's going to be okay. Well, he hasn't Mm -hmm. been New Orleans Saints Jimmy Graham in five years. Um, Mm -hmm. And he was abysmally bad last year. I do think there's a potential for a guy like Komet to kind of break the tight end mold for rookies because I think he's going to be used predominantly as a receiver because he is so huge. And he was, you know, I think he's a great athlete that he's going to be more split out a little bit and not to do as much of the blocking assignments, uh, especially early on until he develops that part of him. So I do think he could have a good year receiving-wise. Tight end-wise, I don't see him being much of a blocker. I do think he develops that uh, later on and becomes a very good tight end overall. But I could see him having a good year pass-catching-wise, especially without you know a clear-cut number three option in this offense for catching. Yeah, and luckily they can just use Jimmy Graham for all the blocking assignments. Yeah, great time blocker. <laughs> yeah, but, exactly. You know, they have eight tight ends. They got to figure out somebody who can block. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you would think someone could be able to figure it out. Yeah. yeah, so the offense, not great. Um, I have them, their total score comes to a 2.8. Uh, definitely not a very high score uh, f- for their offense. And however, luckily for the Bears, uh, there's more to football than just offense because their defense gets... A lot better and we'll start with the edge rushers uh khalil mack and robert quinn it's a 10 i mean you don't have to khalil mack robert quinn okay you get a 10 yeah i mean that's huge um yeah breaking news khalil mack and robert quinn are really good at football um mm-hmm. that's yeah. gonna be a big thing <laughs> yeah i mm-hmm. mean i think that this is the best edge rushing group in football um those are two you know potentially game-changing guys at that position um and 
you know, there's not that much like you'd say. I think that the the Khalil Mack had a step back thing was a little overblown. They had a few injuries, and obviously that prevented him from having as big a numbers as he did. But with Robert Quinn on the other side, they're not going to be able to put all the attention on Mack, or else Quinn's going to have a monster season. So, yeah, it's a 10. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Mack's never been that insane sack guy, too. He's just the kind of guy who, on a select parts of games will just completely take over them. So, so yeah, uh, I think we're both in agreement there. Interior defensive line, maybe the biggest reason their defense kind of took a step back last year was because of the Akeem Hicks injury. I think yep. he's someone who can be fantastic. Uh, he's one of the better interior defensive linemen in the league. Uh, you also have Eddie Goldman and Roy Robinson Harris. Um, again, I think this is a 10. I, I, I don't know what else you could really ask for Ooh. here. I, I think this is a, I think you have, Akeem Hicks by himself is going to uh, give a lot. And I think, you know, you have two other players who can be very good next to him. I think this is 10. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's fair. I, mm-hmm. I could probably argue a nine or an eight because you want to see Akeem Hicks back fully healthy because, mm-hmm. you know, if it's even if it's, but I think even 80% of what Akeem Hicks was, plus, you know, the rest of that line is probably pretty close to doing 10 anyways. Um, but with him fully healthy, I think he's a, uh, you know, this is definitely a 10 and also one of the best interior defensive lines in football to go along with the edge rushers. Yeah, I mean, definitely one of the best defensive lines in the league, I think, if not the best. Um, and then we will move on from here and we'll go to the linebackers and the linebackers, Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith. Both, I think, are, you know, Pro Bowl level guys. Uh, and you also have John Jenkins, who is also uh, a very good, you know, solid veteran player. Um, again, am I crazy here for saying this is the third straight 10 in a row? I mean, I think that you have two, two really good linebackers and another one who can definitely, uh, be a number three guy. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think that this is a high level. I might, this is another one where I could say, you know, you might argue nine because of the depth behind those guys you question, but at the same time, you know, why are you questioning that when you have two of the best in the league? I think, you know, Roquan Smith, what 101 tackles in 12 games is uh, mm-hmm. pretty nuts. You know, I think this is a high-level group. I really like Roquan in the middle there. And, yeah, I, I agree, 10. Okay, yeah. So, and unfortunately, when we get to the secondary, uh, Bears fans, a uh, little bit, bit more disappointing here. Secondary is, it's got some question marks, I guess. It has some things that are good. I think Kyle Fuller is, uh, excuse me, Kyle Fuller is good. I think Eddie Jackson is obviously very good. After that, there are some question marks. Um, you have Deshaun Gibson, who seems like he'll be their second safety. You also have, they drafted a couple of cornerbacks in the draft. You have Jalen Johnson uh, and Kendall Vildor. Uh, those were a second and a fifth rounder. Um, I think that there's some good to be had here. Uh, I think that obviously they sort of have one good corner, one good safety, and then uh, you know a lot of young talents trying to see who can step up. Uh, so I'm going to give this a five. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think that's fair. I guess you, you know, I do think that the two guys are pretty high level. I, I think, I think Jackson's still one, you know, Jackson's one of the best safeties in football, which maybe puts it at a six or maybe a seven for me, but I think five's fair because, you know, you got to see what the other side of that secondary is looking because outside of Fuller, you know, I do feel like Fuller and Jackson are sure things though. Yeah. And I also think there's something a little bit different about like a secondary where it's like, you know, if you're an, uh, if you have, uh, if you're talking about the edge rushers and you have one elite edge rusher and one kind of nothing, well, that's still a lot of value. They can still get pressured through that side. Mm-hmm. But if you have, you know, one all time great cornerback and one terrible cornerback or two terrible cornerbacks, well, then this won't throw to that one guy and they'll still easily be yeah. able to move the ball down the field. I do. So. 
that's kind of my th- it's a question mark with the yeah. rookies. I do think the big thing is, too, though, especially for those rookies on that side, you know, they're not going to be asked to do a whole lot because theoretically, you know, these edge rushers are just going to wreak havoc on quarterbacks. So Mm -hmm. they're not going to have a lot of time to throw anyways. And I do think that's going to be a huge advantage for them and a way that Jackson can really shine because you don't have a lot of time to go through your progressions against this Bears defense. Yeah, I know. I agree with that. I agree with all of that. Uh, So defense, one of the better defenses uh, we will talk about. Uh, 8.6, uh, very high. And again, if they had maybe just a couple of corners, this could have even been over a nine. Uh, so mm-hmm. that means again, offense 2.8, defense is 8.6. That brings their total to 5.3, which is actually the lowest in this division. But I still think that they're going to end up being better than the Lions simply because I think that the coaching is going to be a huge uh, difference. And, I, you know, again, I'm a little worried about the Bears offense, but as long as they can just move the ball and get some points, their defense should be good. And again, I can easily see this team. I, I don't know what their ceiling is, but I wouldn't be shocked if this team wins eight games next year. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. So I put them as a potential playoff team in my mm-hmm. division rankings. And I do feel like because, you know, two years ago, we did see them be a playoff team. Now, mm-hmm. you could argue easily that they maybe overshot themselves that that year because maybe this team wasn't a playoff team. They just had a Super Bowl level defense and a subpar level offense, which brings you down a little bit. But so maybe this team is closer to eight and eight than ten and six. But that's a very sp- small margin that the defense and you know they create a couple extra turnovers, they get a few extra sacks. Akeem Hicks is healthy. That it's a very small margin between eight and eight and ten and six. So I feel like that there is a potential that they get to that number. Um, but you know, you're probably thinking this seems more like an eight and eight kind of team. I think. I mean, I, I don't know if I don't know if I see them being. I I think if I had to predict, I think they go like six and ten. Uh, I could even see them like five and eleven. Like I think that's my prediction. But I do think that they have. If things work out well for them, uh, things can go better. I just don't trust their offense totally, and I think there are ways to beat their defense because uh, of the young uh people players in their secondary it's just a big question mark but i do also think that if they can solve the secondary this is the team that could end up going uh, winning a lot more games yep. so i guess okay. my two questions oh sorry oh, one no, thing on the bears two questions on the bears a 889 yards last season do you see david montgomery hitting a thousand this year and do you see trubisky last in the season uh well i mean and maybe I'm wrong here. I was assuming Trubisky wouldn't even start the season. So, or oh, I was what? assuming he was starting. Okay, I was just like, assuming that. I mean, they traded for Nick Foles. I feel like they're probably. Uh, I guess maybe that's the better question. Then I think that they won't even end up having Trubisky start. I think they'll move on to to Nick Foles. Uh, so no, <laughs> I think that's the obvious <laughs> answer to that. And then, um, and then Montgomery a thousand yards. Uh, I would say. Probably. I mean, if, if you're a number one back and you get enough carries, you'll get a thousand yards. So, uh, again, I, I think their offense could be slightly better with Nick Foles instead of Trubisky. Uh, again, I, I don't know if, how much I trust their offensive line, but uh, I'll, I'll say I'll say yes, but I wouldn't bet on it. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I don't know. I was kind of assuming Trubisky still the starter and, you know, Foles is there to make him like kind of nervous. But I mean, we'll see. Uh, who knows at this point? I don't think we need things to make Trubisky even more nervous. I think, yeah, I think no enough. there's already enough for that. Uh, okay, so now move on to number three. Why do you have this team, or I guess, you know, second number best two. team in the division? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why do you think the third one we're going to talk about? Uh, why do you think the, pa- the I'm assuming it's the Green Bay Packers, are going to be second in this division? 
Yeah, we, we probably disagree on this. We'll talk about this. I do have this team at number two. I struggled going back and forth on where I put this team, um, whether they're a Super Bowl contender or a playoff contender. And that was mainly because, you know, LaFleur did win some big games. Him and Rodgers did win big games throughout the season. But you look at the numbers, you know, they were 15th in points scored. They were ninth in points against. And their win ex- expected wins last year were, you know, actually under 10. They were 9.7 in expected win total. Um, which is lower than their 13 and three record, obviously. So that's why I had them at number two. I wasn't really sure that this, I don't think there's a scenario where this team to me wins a Super Bowl. And, you know, my, my idea for Super Bowl contenders is very vague where it's, could I see a realistic scenario where this team makes it to the Super Bowl? I don't really know what that scenario is for the Packers, just because I think that they had the worst off season in the league that I think they overshot their 13, their 13 wins overshot their expectations last season. And I don't know if this team gets better from last year. So you can go ahead with your spiel. Um, but yeah, I have the Packers at number two. Okay. Uh, well, first of all, let's just ask a clarification question on the the Super Bowl contenders. Is it more so like just obviously you're not saying the teams that aren't Super Bowl contenders have no chance to win. Like, for example, when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, I would imagine the year before, they probably, most people wouldn't have yeah. considered them Super Bowl contenders. Just teams like you think that are, are very much in the mix. I think the way I I see it is that if I looked into if you told me right now came back in time and told me right now this team made is made the Super Bowl or even won the Super Bowl would I be shocked? I guess that's the question I had for if you're a Super Bowl contender. And if I'm a okay. little shocked that that team's probably making the Super Bowl or winning it, then I probably don't consider them a Super Bowl contender right now. So that's kind of I would kind of be shocked that the Packers are a Super Bowl contender then because I don't think they're going to hit the late of the top of the NFC. I think I'd be shocked if someone came back from time and told me anything. Well, that's true. But I mean, <laughs> yeah. just in, just <laughs> hypothetically speaking. <laughs> right. Gotcha. If you already realized time travel existed and then that happened. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh, we'll move on to the P- Packers. First, uh, head coach Matt LaFleur. He gets a seven right off the bat. It seems, uh, again, I had him as the 10th best coach when we did our, co- our head coach rankings. Uh, so he gets a that gives him a seven. It's a high seven, but a seven. Also, Aaron Rodgers. I, I believe I had him a number five, which gives him a number, which gives him a nine. Uh, so nine for Le, or excuse me, seven for Lafleur, nine for Rodgers. What do you think about that? So you don't think Jordan Love's going to start? I, he might. You know, <laughs> never know. But yeah, seems uh, unlikely. Yeah, I mean, so obviously we kind of, I kind of had. Uh... LaFleur in the coaching rankings, we talked about it a lot on that podcast episode. I had him closer to 15 or 16, I believe, because I said I want to see it again because there were some wacky stuff I saw him do. Like, you know, Aaron Jones, I think, is a top five level running back who is getting bottom 10 level carries, which just didn't make any sense to me. There are some things I didn't like about it, but I think he's a solid coach overall and seems to know what he's doing. I think Mike Pettin's a really good defensive coordinator and he had that defense doing really well. So I can agree with the seven overall. And, you know, I I, I made enough of that argument for Rodgers as a top five quarterback. I think a nine's fair. Yeah, um, yeah. we'll get into Aaron Jones in just a second because uh, I kind of disagree. But first, uh, we'll keep going in the order we have been going. Uh, for the offensive line, you have Corey Lindsey uh, as their center, Ellington Jenkins, who really had a breakout rookie season last year when he uh, came in for injury and really played very well. Uh, you could argue he had the best uh, offensive lineman rook- uh, rookie season last year. Uh, Billy Turner is nothing special, but nothing at- atrocious either. David Bakiari, we don't have to talk about him. We already know how great he is. Again, Rick Wagner, okay. 
Um, I think this offensive line is very good. It's not necessarily like up there with the Cowboys offensive line or the Eagles, I think, but it's just a little bit below that. They get an eight for me here. Yeah, I think that there's a bunch of solid players on this and then Bakhtiari. Oh, excuse me. If you, uh, you know, you look at Bakhtiari's numbers and they just don't make sense. You know, he's, I think he's the best pass blocking lineman in football or at least best pass blocking tackle in football to me. And he's just so high level at that, that he, I think he brings his own line probably a little higher than when it should be to make it probably a top five offensive line. Um, because I do think the other guys are solid and they're good enough. And they, um, you know, they've kept Rogers on his feet most of his career. Yeah, that's probably fair. Maybe I, I might be a bit low on him. I might deserve a nine, but uh, again, we'll keep it the same. Uh, won't let you talk. My scores are going to stay the same regardless of how good point good of points you make. Uh, we will then move <laughs> on to the the wide receivers. This is an interesting one, I think, very interesting because you know, kind of the narrative that gets talked about is that the Packers they needed some help for Devontae Adams. They disagree. They did not draft help for Devontae Adams too much. I mean, they did go out and get some help. Uh, they have Devontae Adams, obviously. We all agree he's that number one guy. The question becomes, who is the number two guy? They had Alan Lazard, who has at times uh, taken some pressure off Adams, but he hasn't done it consistently. They also went out and got Devin Funches, who I kind of feel like is also in that like number, that good number three guy, not exactly a number two guy. Uh, you have Jake Camaro and Marquez Valdez-Gantling. So they have depth here. The real question is, do they have a number two guy? I think no. So to me, I think they that's the one thing they're missing. Uh, and so they fall down to a six because of that. Yeah, I mean, that's the problem. Like, you know, if you individually grade Adams, he's probably a nine and a half or a 10, depending mm-hmm. on how you rank wide receivers. Uh, you know, he's that good, but he's going to face double teams every week. Um, and, you know, we were kind of, you know, one of the things, you know, you're kind of on the fence about Anthony Miller. I think the Packers would kill to have Anthony Miller right now as their number mm-hmm. two guy. I think yeah. he'd be way better than any of these guys. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's probably fair. I think it's a six. And you could probably talk me down to a five because, you know, depth is nice, but you need to have someone at the top of that depth that you feel really confident about. And if you look at two through six, it's a bunch of guys that's like, yeah, I guess, but it's not like I'm going to feel great that they're there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of how I feel about everyone, including Lazard. And, you know, a guy like Funches had, I think, one good year his career. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with him. Um, I, I'm not as I'm not big on him at all. I, I don't think anyone's yeah. really high on him. So, mm-hmm. uh, but. Oh, man, the, the Devin Funches stands are going to come at you yeah. now, Kyle. Everybody watch out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, uh, I. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's totally fair. I think it's a bunch of guys who can run set up routes very well and Devontae Adams who can get open by himself. So I think that's kind of the their, their wide receiving grouping. Uh, you know, so I had their O-line as an eight and their wide receivers a six. You would probably give the wide receivers a five and the O-line a nine. So we're still kind of on the same page here. Uh, yeah. We'll move on to the, the backs now. You have Aaron Jones, uh, and we, we'll get into this. Uh, but I also have Jamal Williams, who actually, I think, I don't think you're very high on. I thought he played fine last year. I thought he was a, a fine backup. And they went out and they drafted A.J. Dillon in the second round. Uh, it's hard to have too much negative to say about the backs. I think they get a 10. Yeah, I do. Though I guess the one thing I do feel like is that I feel like the A.J. Dillon thing was a little weird, uh, drafting him right now. Like, I didn't see the point. You know, mm-hmm. did they forget that they needed a second wide receiver at the time? You know, I don't, you know, I guess you could throw him on the goal line and say he's big enough to do that. Um, 
the Williams, you know, I do feel like every time he's out there, I'm kind of just, okay, that's fine. I guess, you know, he's kind of how I feel about um, Sony Michelle because I have to bring everything back to the Patriots. You know, he doesn't break a lot of tackles for me. He doesn't do a lot of things that I really love. He's just kind of out there, and I think he's solid. I think that Aaron Jones is a game-changing level guy who was first in the league in touchdowns. And how many – what was he in yards? He was top – he was 12th in yards, first in touchdowns, and 15th in carries. And I think he's a guy that is a game-changing level player who's just not getting the touches that I think he needs. Yeah, well, I mean, I think – uh, when you say it, when you phrase it that way, it does make sense. Um, but I think th- what I would disagree with, and for one thing, I mean, hey, Sony Michelle is a backup. If, if you're comparing him to Sony Michelle and that's the, their backup, I think that's pretty good, or maybe even third string, that's very good. Um, but I think my thing with Aaron Jones is like the Packers were winning game after game after game. So why run your star running back into the ground if you're winning these games? Let's, you know, preserve him to some degree. Let's not have him. Let's not only get, you know, a couple years of him and then Todd Gurley him out of the league. Let's, you know, supplement him with other backs so that way we can still have some success running the ball, but then, you know, use him in the most prominent ways. I think that makes sense to me. The goal isn't to get the most rushing yard throughout the course of a season. The goal is to win a Super Bowl. That's fair, but I also feel like at the same time, you know, the the best, you know, he's had over 20 carries twice last season. And in those two games, he went 25 carries, 100 yards, 23 carries, 154, and two touchdowns. Um, I do think he's a good guy. That get, I think he's a guy that does really well with production, and he's just not seeing it. And I think a lot of their losses were also due to the fact that he didn't get the numbers that he needed. Um, you know, you look at some of the games that he played, you know, they played bad on, and a lot of it was because he wasn't getting the ball. And I, I do think that there is a significant difference where you can make the difference on a team with – you know, having that sort of production and a workload. Again, I don't know if I, again, uh, I don't know how long I want to spend on this, but I, I don't know if I totally agree again. Cause I, I say like, you know, we'll use the 49ers example uh, game. For example, it's like the running game wasn't getting anything going because the 49ers defensive line was so good. So it's like, what do you do uh, if you know, you you don't just keep running the ball. If it keeps getting you zero yards at a certain point, you do have to not abandon it, but start passing the ball much more. So I think that there's, I think there was always reasons for one day uh, didn't run the ball as much. I mean, listen, you might be right to some degree. Maybe they should have given him more handoffs, but I don't think it's like this horrendous thing that they're just, you know, not being smart on whatsoever. Yeah, that's probably fair. I'm probably just a little worked up over it. I, I also had him in fantasy football, which but I do think that he is a high level running back. Um, obviously you can go back and forth on that forever, but I do think that he is, I still feel like he's one of the top, maybe not five, but I could probably argue top eight guys in football in terms of that position. I just think he's that good. Yeah, no, uh, again, we both agree. Aaron Jones is great. That's why I gave him a 10. And regardless of how much they get used, uh, he gets used, uh, they deserve a 10 for just the, the talent they have there. And that's what I'm evaluating it on. Uh, what they deserve a poor grade for is tight ends because it seems like, again, them with the Bears, not really sure exactly what their plan is here. Uh, seems like, you know, Joshua Deriga, I believe his name is, who is a third-round pick. Maybe he's going to be the guy. They also have a 36-year-old Mercedes Lewis. Again, there's a little bit here, perhaps, but it is not a lot. I'm giving them a two, and it's closer to a one than a three. Yeah, I'd probably put it out of one. Um, mm-hmm. I was just looking at Mercedes Lewis. I'm surpri- I I, I could have swore he was like 147 uh-huh. um, years old. You know, it's so surprising to uh, see. And um, 
He's the most. He's the, he has the most production on this team. You know, the other yeah. guys are so like you know big question marks. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a third round rookie and rookies t- tight ends tend to not do well. And that a thirty six year old uh, again, maybe there will find some value, and that's the only thing keeping it above a one. But uh, that's not a great situation to be in. Where it's like, hey, maybe we won't totally suck. Uh, the one thing I do have to say though is that I don't think they're going to be using. Uh, I think when they're going to be running pass plays, they're not going to use many tight ends. I don't think they really need good receiving tight ends, which is probably part of what they're do- what the idea is here. So maybe that's yeah. part of it. I think it's easy. Again, tight ends are one of those positions that it's easily easy to hide. But as a whole, even with that poor tight end group, the rest of their I- their offense is good enough that they get a seven point zero on offense. Yeah, I think that's fair overall. I think that this is a solid offense that's always going to be good. Okay, and now we'll move on to the defense, and we'll we'll double up the defensive line here a little bit. So edge rusher, edge rushers, you have the two guys they signed last year, uh, Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith, both played very well. You also have Rashawn Gary, who they drafted in the first round, didn't show a lot, but was also not uh, given a ton of playing time. And again, one of the positions that tends to take some time to develop is when you are a big defensive lineman. That size sometimes is a little bit difficult. But with Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith, I think they still get a nine here. And also with the interior defensive line, Kenny Clark is a monster. But other than that, a uh, little bit of worries here, especially when they like to play three, four, uh, you know, Tyler Lancaster, Dean Lowry. Uh, again, this is probably a little bit higher if they played four three, but considering the fact that they're going to probably need three of these guys to play consistently, uh, I'm giving them a six. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think it's, you know, they kind of run that, you know, f- almost five guys on the defensive line with the, t- the two Smiths. You know, I think that that's, that's a high level group. Uh, you know, they had a terrific season last year and, you know, we're two of the best sign, you know, two of the best signings last year for those two. And I do think that Gary is a guy that gets better. He was, you know, a huge high school prospect that I think is going to put it together eventually. I just think he has too much talent, too much size. And uh, yeah, I think that the interior defensive line, you know, Kenny Clark's a guy that brings that group up. We kind of talked about it with Adams, a few other position groups as we go through this. You know, when you have a guy that you grade individually as a 10, but the rest of it's probably like a three then I think six is fair. Yeah. Okay. And then for number, uh, for the linebackers, I almost said for number and then gave away the number. Um, <laughs> again, it's it's interesting here because I think that they're very much probably only going to play one linebacker throughout the course of, you know, I think they're going to play probably play a lot of, uh, a ton of nickel and they're going to, you know, with the three, uh, four, they're not going to have, uh, in terms of middle linebackers, it seems that Christian Kirksey is the guy that they're hoping can be successful, but Again, he can never stay healthy. So it's it's a lot of eggs in your basket of a guy who can stay healthy. Uh, you have uh, Martin, who is a fifth rounder. That Camille Martin, Camille, something like that. Uh, he was a fifth rounder they drafted. So you know maybe some depth there. But I mean, it seems like they're putting a lot of eggs into their basket that Kirksey can be healthy. But if he can, then they have a very good linebacker, uh, and they don't need a ton. So I'm, I'm giving them a three because I don't love their depth, and I also don't trust Kirksey to stay healthy. But if he does, they do have potential to be very good, you know, in a much better shape. Yeah, you almost, you know, my write-up here is essentially with a healthy Kirksey and one of these rookie line or young linebackers working out, this could be a six or a seven. Um, mm-hmm. If Kirksey is unhealthy and, of course, none of these line, young linebackers work out, then this is probably like a two. Um, because I do feel like that they're, you know, Kirksey is, he's played nine games in the last two years, I think it was. Um so that's just such a huge 
question mark, uh, especially for a guy you're relying on to be the the number one guy on that linebacker group. Yeah, uh, uh, agreed. And then we'll move on to the secondary. Secondary is interesting. I mean, you have Jair Alexander, who the, the Green Bay Packers fan base is very split on, but I think he's pretty good, maybe a bit overrated, but pretty good. Kevin King, solid number two guy. I would say good number two guy. And even Sullivan, who's a solid number three guy, and I would even say good number three guy. And on top of that, for their safeties, Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos, the former division rival Chicago Bears. Uh, not, a, not a lot uh bad here i'm going to give them an eight yeah i think that this is a good secondary um i guess the argument you make is that there's no one that's like a a star in the secondary mm-hmm. but i don't think it really matters with the pressure that the smiths can bring you know you don't need a superstar back there i think you just need guys who are good in coverage make smart plays they're going to run a lot of five five or six defensive backs out there and i think a lot of these guys can just cover really well i think that they're solid overall over there in the back yeah, so uh, with that, it gives the the Packers uh, their defense to the 6.5. Uh, their offense was 7.0, so that brings their total to 6.8. Um, and I actually feel like they're uh, this is kind of one of those examples that I think that my grading system kind of uh, disrupts it a little bit just because, you know, their two biggest reasons why they're farther down are because of their linebacking group and their t- excuse me, and their tight end group is the fact, and you know, those aren't necessarily two incredibly important positions. So uh, I personally feel like uh, they're probably, you know, this is the same grading system. This is the same score that the Cowboys got. I think they're a better team than the Cowboys because I think they have plans to sort of fix their, their two biggest weaknesses. Yeah, I was actually thinking about your grading system. I think there almost needs to be some sort of level, like a variability rating for like, Mm -hmm. you know, if you have a nine at quarterback, obviously that's more important than having a nine on the offensive line to be in a really successful team. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I do think that there is some variability to, you know, some position ratings obviously should make you higher than other position ratings. But I do feel like this is the question I have with the Packers at the same time. You know, there are a few things that I could I could see this linebacking group just getting absolutely crushed. And I could see teams, you know, the I could see a lot of teams just having a lot of success running the ball on this team uh, because of that. And I do think that there is I don't know what the ceiling is for this team or what this team can be because there are a lot of questions throughout the roster that I have, whether it's receiver, tight end, linebacker. So I'm like, is this really going to be a 13-win team again? Do I see that happening or do I see like maybe a 9 or 10-win team? Okay, well, I'll, I'll, real quick, I'll give you the – here's how the Packers win the Super Bowl next year. Here's how it works. They become a, a run, very run-heavy team. Uh, their third round tight end ends up being very uh, solid blocking tight end, uh, which can now allow them to, uh, and they already have a good offensive line and good halfbacks. A lot of the pressure is off Rodgers. They don't have to worry too much about receivers getting open uh, in terms of the number two receivers by themselves because the rest of their receivers do a good enough job at just running, you know, setup routes that can get guys open. Uh, Their defense becomes very good. Kirksey stays healthy, bringing them to a top tier defense, and uh, uh, that, and then Mahomes gets injured for the season. That's how the Packers can <laughs> win the Super Bowl in twenty twenty. Interesting. That's a that's a that's a lot of ifs. Um, well, I yeah, think, I mean, every yeah. there's no team that there's no ifs if they to win a Super Bowl. 
I, I do feel like the Chiefs kind of like, oh, if Patrick Mahomes, I mean, I guess that is an if, but Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes wins the Chiefs a Super Bowl. I don't think there's an mm-hmm. if to that. I think it's just, you know, he's that good. Um, I do think that the one thing that, you know, we kind of crushed this receiving group, especially after Adams. I do think the one thing that we didn't talk about is that, you know, for as much as I don't like Williams and like Jones, one things that they both do very well is catch out of the backfield and mm-hmm. Rodgers uses them both a lot. And I think that they're going to use that as well. And, you know, that's going to be their way to try and make up that number two receiver is by using those running backs a lot. Yeah, uh, I would put the I would say the Packers are a Super Bowl contender using the same uh, what what using the same sort of method that you've used. I would say they are. But fair enough. Uh, And we'll move on to uh, the Minnesota Vikings, a team you said you, you said they were a Super Bowl contender, correct? Yes, I did. Okay, and well, running a little bit long, but that's fine. This is a good show, I think. Uh, we're and we'll start off with uh, the two most important: the uh, coach and quarterback. Mike Zimmer, he gets a seven. Kirk Cousins, he gets a six. Yeah, I think that six is probably fair for Cousins. I think he is average. I think that you know he's probably the worst you can get for a potential team that wins the Super Bowl. Um, you know. He was a pro bowler last year. It was his best year. The question is going to be, can he keep that up without his deep threat as we'll get into the receivers? But I do think he is good enough. Um, and then Zimmer, you know, is the best defensive coach in football? Is that a debate? Is it close? Well, Belichick's pretty good. Well, yeah, Belichick. I, you know, he's a complete coach, I think, in my book. I, I do think in terms of just coaching defense, I feel like Zimmer Zimmer and Belichick got to be one, too. And I, I would probably put Zimmer one in my book. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a couple you could probably think about, but yeah, I mean, uh, I want to. I mean, you could almost maybe even throw Greg Williams into the mix. Uh, he will never get a head coaching job, but uh, he's fantastic. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, I don't disagree. I mean, I, I would probably put him at number two as well. I would put him at number two. Uh, yeah, great defensive coach, but again, also a lot more to being a head coach than uh, just X's and O's. So, uh, but yeah, again, he he. I think he was like number eleven on our on my coaching list, something like that. So he gets the seven. Uh, in the same group that LaFleur was in. Uh, and then for the offensive line, this is not a disaster as it has been in the past, but still needs some work. Garrett Bradbury, I actually am higher on than a lot of people are on. I thought that uh, he, his pass protection isn't great, but he's a center and you can hide that. And he's a very good run blocker. So I think I'm higher on him than most people. Uh, Pat uh, Eflin, Eflin uh, and Dakota uh Dozer, they do not have easy names to pronounce. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, th- as the guards, um, you know, Dozier, not very good. Uh, not much needs to be said. Tackle play isn't terrible. Uh, with uh, Brian O'Neill and uh, what's uh, Riley Reef, definitely want to make sure I don't mispronounce that one. Uh, th- do you definitely that would I would say that their offensive line receives a four. Yeah, I I think it's probably you know. I did consider this team a Super Bowl contender, and I would probably consider this group the one part of the team where I feel like if this kind of blows up in their face, this is the reason they don't win the Super Bowl. Even more so than Kirk Cousins, I think that this there's a lot of questions on this group. Um, but I do feel like at least, you know, with his own blocking scheme, you don't need any like superstar offensive linemen. You know, it's a pretty straightforward blocking scheme, I think, in my book, in terms of that zone running scheme. And then it's a lot of play action, which is supposed to catch everybody with a surprise. So I think that it could be. I think they're, there's no great players on the f- offensive line, but I don't think they necessarily need to be great. Yeah, I'm um, just uh, pointing this out. I actually had two teams, two spots that are lower than the offensive line on my ranking. But uh, yeah, I, I kind of agree. It's not a great spot. 
And I think I care more about offensive line than you might. So that might also be a little bit yeah. why we have a bit of a disparity between Vikings and Packers. Um, we'll move on to the wide receivers. Adam Thielen is a number one guy, in my opinion. I think Justin Jefferson should easily be the number three guy. And I think Tajay Sharp could easily be number, uh, or excuse me, Jefferson could be a number two guy. Uh, and I think Tajay Sharp could be a number three guy. Uh, this is a seven for me. I think it's 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 kind of like, you know, good. It's not quite on that like elite tier, but still I think uh, very good. You can't complain about your wide receivers. Yeah, I think, you know, Thielen, I think when healthy is a high level guy. I think that, uh, you know, he played 10 games last year, which obviously was the lowest. But before that, you know, he was 91 catches, 113 catches on back-to-back years, which, you know, is elite-level receiving. And the question for me when it comes to this receiving group is, are they going to find that deep threat? You know, I think Stephon Diggs, you know, not only being a really good receiver, you know, Stephon Diggs, as I've said multiple times on this, was one of the best deep threat receivers in football the past couple of years. And if they're going to have one of these guys step up and be able to take the lid off the top of this offense and extend a lot of these defenses out to open up the holes for their run game. Yeah. I miss Case Keenum just going full effort and uh, chuck it with the, uh, <laughs> with, you know, Thielen and, and Diggs. That was fun, but yeah, uh, good stuff there. We'll move on to the backs. Um, I am going to just assume that, Dalvin Cook does not hold out because I don't know how we predict that. So I'm just going to go with that. Um, I think Dalvin Cook is fantastic when healthy. Uh, it's important. To, again, you know, uh, you talk about the guys who part of their last name becomes one healthy uh, because he is someone you kind of have to say that with. Alexander Madison, very good too. Uh, I think if they're both healthy, this is a 10 situation. But because of Cook's injury, I am knocking them down a point. They get a nine for me. Yeah, and I actually I don't hate Mike Boone either, who's the number three guy. You know, okay. he had almost six yards of carry too, and very limited production. But I thought he was solid overall. And then yeah, I mean Cook. You know, he played fourteen games last year, but obviously he's had the injury troubles throughout his first three years, um, which is the big question. But you know, I I don't think it was a stretch even with Derrick Henry to say that he was the best pure runner in football. I still think McCaffrey was probably the best running back in football or is probably the best running back in football. I think Barkley's up there as well. But in terms of runners, I, it wouldn't be so far to say he's better than Henry and right there with Elliott as the best pure runner in football. Mm-hmm. When healthy. Yeah. And I would also throw Nick Chubb into the mix. I think he's what he was able to do with a bad Browns offensive line was spectacular. Uh, I would still yeah. put McCaffrey as number one. Uh, again, we can do a whole podcast on best running backs. But also, I forgot to mention, C.J. Ham, good, uh, I would say above average fullback for them. So that also factors in. Um, yeah. And then we'll move on to the tight ends. Tight ends are interesting for me. You have Kyle Rudolph, who he, the kind of the perception of Rudolph is that he's great pass, you know, good pass catcher, but doesn't really block too much. I think that's a bit overblown. I think he's a fine blocker, uh, although definitely he excels at pass catching. You also have Irv Smith Jr., who's a very good backup. He's kind of the guy who, when you put in, there's no way for the defense to know what's coming because he can pretty much do it all pretty well. Um, yeah. I give this a seven. Yeah, I mean, I think that. Seven's probably fair. I could probably argue eight. Obviously, we won't go back and forth on a point. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think Rudolph is a better blocker than he's given credit for. I think he he has great size over there. And, you know, his, his receiving numbers don't ever really blow you away. And I think a lot of that has to also do with kind of the Vikings don't throw the ball a whole lot in this new offense, they're, this offense they're running. So he's mm-hmm. not asked to do a whole lot receiving-wise, but I think he's obviously, when he needs to be, he's a high-level receiving target at tight end. Um, so I would put that at seven, maybe an eight, but overall, I think that they're very good. Yeah. And then we'll, so from that, uh, 
Offense, uh, not a whole lot wrong here except for the offensive line. They get a solid eight uh, for their offense. And from that, we can move on to their uh, edge rusher or the defense. We'll start with edge rushers. You have Daniel Hunter and Efidi and Degabo, who was great last year. Or not great, but he was, uh, you know, he really, for a number three guy, was definitely very good. And so they said, we're going to move you up to the number two guy because he played very well. And Daniel Hunter, one of the premier guys in the league. I'm not quite sure I'm going to give this a 10, but I do believe it gets a nine here. Yeah, I mean, the the edge rushing groups in this uh, division are just insane. You know, I think we had mm-hmm. six, 10, 10, and nine. Um, yeah. You know, this is high, this is really a high level, and this is, you know, a high-level defensive line that's losing Everson Griffin because they, uh, you know, because of a guy like uh, – I'm botching his name, right? Oh, Indegabo. 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 Yeah. yeah. So a guy like him is obviously – good enough to take, you know, say, Oh, we don't need Everson Griffin anymore. We're not going to worry about it. So I think that's a big thing. And I do think that this is a high level defensive line. Hunter is obviously a big time game changer as well. Yeah. Uh, so I really like those guys into your D line, a bit of a question mark. I do think Michael Pierce is good. Uh, I don't think he's like, uh, I don't know how good I'm going to be willing to call him. Um, you also have, uh, Shamar Steven and Gio Johnson who are nothing special in my opinion. Um, this is one of the, the categories I gave them a lower grade than the offensive line. This gets a three for me. I, I'm not really blown away by this. Yeah, I, that's probably fair. I think that, you know, Pierce is probably average. If he takes another leap forward, maybe, then you could probably grade this out to like a five or a mid-tier level defense interior group. But you have to see that level of production from him. I don't think he's anything more than solid. Yeah, and I think the good thing about this is the next category, the linebackers who aren't uh, edge rushers. It's going to be Eric Kendricks, Anthony Barr, and Eric Wilson. I mean, this is a uh, clear cut 10 out of 10, I think. Yeah, I think that, you know, of course, yeah, I do think that this is probably one of the best two or three linebacking groups in the country or mm-hmm. in the NFL, probably number one. I'm going back uh, and forth on college football and NFL <laughs> verbiage here. But yeah, okay. I think guys like him and, uh, you know, Kendricks and Barr obviously bring this group to a 10, and Wilson's very good in his own right as well. Yeah, and that's why I'm not really too worried about their interior defensive line uh, because they have great edge rushers and they have linebackers who will still do a good enough job of stopping the run. I don't think you have to be too worried about that. What I do think that the biggest worry and maybe the biggest worry that Vikings fans should have going into the season in general is going to be their secondary. I mean, you have, um, you know, Mike Hughes, who was a first-round pick, uh, f- uh, you know, hyped up to some degree, but did not necessarily – hasn't been particularly great since coming to Minnesota. You also have Jeff Gladney, who they drafted. I'm not too high on him. The more tape tape I watch of him, I'm not as big of a fan of him. They also drafted uh, Cameron Dantzler Dantzler in the third round. Um, So, you know, I don't... uh, In terms of their cornerbacks, I think that there's uh, definitely some things to be a bit bit worried about, to say the least. Um, Obviously, Anthony Harris, or uh, Anthony Harris and... Harrison Smith, that's the 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 flip side. Um, I'm a little conflicted on this because I do think that their safeties are good, but I don't know how great of their secondary is. I think their secondary is a big um it's a big question mark. And so I'm or excuse me, yeah, their corners are a big question marks. So I'm still giving them a three, even though I think you could argue they have one of the best safeties tandems in the league, because again, I'm focusing it more on uh, you know, how how well will this entire group do towards helping their team next year? And I, I think it could be a big weakness. Yeah. 
I, I, I'm almost inclined to just say five because I feel like the safeties are a 10 and the corners mm-hmm. are a one. But I right. think you say it right that, you know, if you work all the pieces together, you know, a good, a really good wide receiver could torch this group despite the numbers on the secondary. Um, mm-hmm. Now, of course, if Gladney sort of works out to where, you know, he was drafted and a guy like Mike Hughes, I think that I liked him, you know, obviously a UCF guy, I was really rooting for him. Mm-hmm. I liked him a lot when he first came out and he was looking pretty good, then had that knee injury his rookie year. Then he kind of came back last year. Maybe he gets some of that under his underneath him and he starts to move on and be like a mid-level production guy. And so that turns into two solid cornerbacks, but you got to see it from both of those guys. And obviously if you're not seeing it from either of those guys yet, you can't really grade it anything more than a one at corner where I think the safeties are just that high level. And, you know, how much can good safeties make up for bad corners is the question. I think that corner is the more important position in my book. Um, Obviously, you can go back and forth on that. I think a good free safety can make a huge difference. But I think good corners make up for bad safeties more than good safeties make up for bad corners. That's just my opinion on the defense. So I do think that brings it down probably to a four or a three. Yeah, and I should also probably mention Holton Hill, who has been solid in a small sample size. So, you know, maybe him or Hughes can be like a, you know, can be a solid contributor. But I just see no guy on their in their uh, uh, cornerback room that can, like, honestly take away like a, a Devonte Adams one-on-one. I mean, they'll probably double team him, but you know, like for the lions with Marvin Jones and uh, Galladay, it's like, like, I don't think they can successfully take away both of those guys. So that's my concern with them. Uh, I do think they have weaknesses. I don't think this is the perfect team, but that being said, I still have their defense as a 6.25 uh, brings their total to a 7.2, which is the highest total that we've, that I've given out uh, so far. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I still think the Packers probably win the division. My reasoning for that is because I think the Packers' biggest weaknesses are linebacker and tight end, whereas the Vikings' biggest weaknesses are offensive line and secondary, which I would probably say that, uh, you know, a defense secondary, the least place I would rather have a defense with, excuse me, uh, on with a secondary, the place I would least like to have a bad situation, bad thing happen would be secondary. Am I? What am I saying? <laughs> Let me try this again. Uh, on defense, uh, the place quarterback I is least, more important than linebacker. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, essentially. I think. That, well, I think that second. My, my point is that quarterback's the most important position, and then it's. I would probably say offensive line and secondary would be my next highest on each of those two sides. So that's why I feel like those. Uh, that's why I would say that the Packers will still win the division, even though I do think these are two very good teams. Yeah, I, I do feel like these teams are almost neck and neck. I do feel like that the Vikings have a more complete roster, and I think the rankings kind of prove that. I do think that this team, you know, I don't think – would you be shocked if this team made the Super Bowl? Um, Shocked is probably the wrong word, but I would be – I don't expect them to. I, I would not put them as one of my uh, Super Bowl contenders teams. I don't know. I do. I just feel like over the last few years, you know, they've been one of those teams that have been right there, whether it was the Eagle season, you know, last season, they obviously beat the Saints. I feel like that was a very good team. And I do feel a scenario where, you know, they get to the playoffs, whether it's 10 and 6, 11 and 5, and then they just kind of do what Tennessee did last year. And they're going to just ride Derrick Henry through those three playoff games. And I feel like Cook is at that level where he could kind of make that work and just bring this team to the level where they're potentially playing in an NFC championship game or even making the Super Bowl. 
and probably losing to Patrick Mahomes, but at that level where they can compete at the highest level with almost any other team. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I feel like the Packers, they were, I mean, I, I just checked. Uh, both teams ended up losing to the 49ers by exactly 17 points, uh, which is kind of interesting. And I actually feel like the Packers were more in that game than the Vikings were in their game. I feel like the, there was just no chance of the Vikings being able to beat a team that had a great pass rush like that. And the chances are, if they make it to the playoffs again, they're going to face someone with a great pass rush or they're going to face someone with a great receiving core. And I don't think they can beat either of those teams. So again, it's sometimes in football, a lot of it is just like, how do you, you know, are you going to lose to a team that has this kind of thing? A lot of it becomes matchups. And I still stand by, I think a large reason the Titans were able to win uh, was because they just matched up very well, both against New England and against uh, Baltimore, because I think their secondary was kind of suspect and because well, it was banged up with injuries. And then when they finally played the Chiefs, it showed that as the Chiefs were able to torch their secondary for the most part. Uh, um, I don't know. I think that there's a higher percent chance. I think the Pack. I don't. I think the Packers are a better team. I think that their weaknesses are not as strong, and I think their strengths are better. I think that sure the the Vikings, you could argue. Hey, they have Dalvin Cook, but I mean, I think Aaron Jones is better and he stays healthier and their offensive line is better and their quarterback is better. So I just think that there's so much more going for the Packers than the Vikings. Yeah, I mean, that's probably fair. I, I just think in terms, so my Super Bowl contender list, I do think that the Vikings and potentially the Packers, because I had them right on that line is like, is this a Super Bowl team or not? I think those mm -hmm. were my two worst Super Bowl contenders that I had. That I was debating between. And it, ultimately, I just feel like that the top level talent of the Vikings is good enough to put that team in the Super Bowl rather than the Packers whether on both sides of the ball. I do think that this defense is really high level. Despite the cornerbacks, you know, you can question them, but I do feel like at the end of the day, you know, if, if Gladney does work out to maybe what they're hoping for, what, you know, obviously he's a rookie corner, so, you know, you can't expect him to be a pro bowler his first year. But I do think if he works out to, a solid corner Hughes gets back. I do think then, you know, you're debating if this is the best defense in the league and potentially, you know, beating up on everybody. If the corners can be good enough. Yeah. I, I just think that that's going to be a, that's a big, again, a wise man once said, that's a lot of F's. Uh, I think that's maybe not a lot of ifs, <laughs> but that's a big one. I mean, the idea of a first round, uh, a rookie corner turning into like a number one corner. It's, it has happened before, you know, Lattimore did it. It's very rare. Uh, I think we both, give it our points pretty well at this point but yeah I, that's that's sort of where i stand uh and I, I think that fair enough we'll have to agree to disagree and again i would be shocked if the vikings win their division i would be shocked if they won this i was surprised if they won the super bowl yeah i think our uh you know our on the sidelines listeners will have to follow this one and can make fun of either one of us to whoever's right whether it's the mm -hmm. packers or the vikings winning out this one <laughs> no, they never. They're the nicest, nicest fan base we have. No, no trolls whatsoever in the comments below. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. All right. So, yeah. So uh, that's our show. Hey, in, in just over two and a half hours from my birthday, Kyle, what do you think of that? Oh, uh, yeah. Happy birthday. Are you doing anything exciting during, uh, you know, quarantine crisis? Not really. Not really. Yeah. It's, the quarantine, there's not really a lot of, it, you can't really do much for a birthday. Nothing too exciting. But, uh, it it should it should be fun, uh, and uh, I have a, a a Joe Flacco video ready to post for tomorrow in celebration of me. So yes. that should be fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah. Again, everyone, uh, thanks for watching, Kyle. Any last thoughts? Um, yeah, I think this di division will be very interesting, and of course, uh, 
happy birthday uh, co-host, and this will be fun mm-hmm. to watch this next season. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of really competitive teams in this group. Yeah, should be fun. Uh, until next time, uh, we're going to be doing the NFC West. So until next time, have a good one. All right.